Let's pray. Father, as we come before You, may uh, Your Word be clear to us. But Lord, not just for knowledge's sake, but may we take and apply the principles of Your Word in our lives to be more like Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we celebrate mothers, but you know, for many, Mother's Day is a very hard time. Maybe because of infertility, uh, the loss of a mother or a child, abortion, a difficult relationship with a mom or a difficult relationship as a mother with a child. So for many, Mother's Day may bring pain rather than joy. But I want to remind you today that whatever your situation that God can bring grace and strength. If today may bring pain for you, I want to remind you that you're not alone. Families in our world today face daunting obstacles. It seems that a healthy family relationship is the exception, not the rule. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we're part of another family, we're part of God's family. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have a heavenly Father that loves you unconditionally. And whether you feel that love in your human relationships, a reminder that in your relationship with God, His love, His grace is unconditional and unexplainable. Being part of His family provides us with strength, with hope, and with peace. But as part of God's family, we also have responsibilities. Now oftentimes on Mother's Day, and here's what happens with Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mother's Day, we do one of two things. We, we either just spend the time sharing about wonderful mothers which is good. And, and usually a, a, a light challenge to mothers, you know, keep on keeping on, which is good. And then we get to Father's Day. And what do we do at Father's Day? We say, all right, dads, you need to get your act together. <laughs> right? Well, I am grateful for godly mothers and godly fathers in our church family, and uh, we want to encourage mothers today. But the message, the challenge is going to be for all of us. No matter our stage in life, no matter our position or titles, we all have a challenge and a blessing of being part of God's family if we have trusted Him as our Savior. And in Titus chapter 2, Paul shares the responsibility of the different groups of people in the church there that Titus pastored there on the island of Crete. And they each had responsibilities, and, and those responsibilities were hard. But when those responsibilities were accomplished, we see the cause of Christ going forward and the people being encouraged. 
Titus chapter 2. And he looks at four different groups of people. He looks at the older men, the older women, the younger women, and then the younger men. First, he looks at the older men in the first two verses of Titus chapter 2. Follow along as I read. It says, But as for you, speaking to Titus, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. In other words, share the gospel. Share the responsibilities. And then in verse 2, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Now, oftentimes we hear that the Bible is outdated. It's irrelevant for today's culture. Well, the Bible is God's inspired Word. It's good for all people in all times, in all situations. But I'm amazed here at how what Paul said to a group of people in the first century hits a perfect bullseye in what happens for us today in the 21st century, 20 centuries later. And it's just a reminder of what we should know is true, that God's Word is relevant today just as it was 2,000 years ago. So, I want us to think, and as we go through each of these four groups I want you to think, and I've been tempted, and I'm going back and forth whether I want you to share with your neighbor, and I'm going to maybe have you do that, maybe get a little uncomfortable here, Uh, but um, share with your neighbor, what do you think are some of the common struggles that older men have? All right, go ahead, you're going to take about 20, 30 seconds, you could call it a stereotype, but a common struggle that older men have. All right, you need to be uh, winding it down. Now, I'm curious if you were sitting next to someone who would be in that category if you changed your answer a little bit. I don't know. But common struggles for older men. And by the way, get ready, there's three more groups. Uh, So you may want to be pre-thinking your answers uh, to the next groups that come up. But So we see that There's common struggles. Sometimes we use the word a stereotype, but a stereotype is is not always true, but based upon a tendency. But a common struggle that older men have, and it's interesting as Paul was writing here to this young pastor Titus, he had correctly identified some of the struggles of all four of these groups. You know, a while back, there was a, a movie, and actually did very well, that, that focused on some of the struggles that older men had. And, and we see this, uh, anybody remember that movie? Right? Grumpy old men. And, and what made that movie so funny, if you watched the movie, what made it so funny was the fact that it was based upon truth. In fact, you ever think about comedy? What, what makes comedy funny? The little line of truth that we make fun of, or we laugh about. 
So what does Paul say is the responsibility of these older men? What were they to do? Well, he lists six things. He says that they're to be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, sound in love, sound in patience. Now we think of sober as someone who is not controlled by alcohol, which is definitely part of the definition of that word. But, but there's actually more to that word there in the New Testament Greek word. It tells us that we're to stay away from overindulgence in anything. It recognizes this sober person, or you may hear the term sober-minded. In fact, it's, it's going to come up here as we talk about younger men in just a few verses. But in other places in the New Testament, we see the word sober-minded as a translation in the English. The idea of recognizing and focusing on what is important and not being controlled by other things. It's the idea of leading a life that's driven by proper priorities to to take the time and the effort to say this is important and this is what I'm going to focus on. To be serious about making a difference. We're called to be sober-minded. Reverent. Means to be dignified, which produces respect. While older men just like everyone else, are not perfect. The goal of the older men should be to live that life that others looking to them can look up to and appreciate and imitate. So they follow the example that the older men are to lead. Temperate involves self-control. Self-control in our words as well as our actions. Older men are often known to just say whatever is on their mind, no matter what the result. But a godly older man will be careful and controlled by what they or in what they say. And then he lists three more things that they are sound in faith, love, and patience. Being sound in faith means they know what they believe. The idea of being a student of God's Word, to know God's Word. But also to recognize the faithfulness of God as they have seen His work over time. The Bible talks many times about the wisdom of older men, of gray hair. But part of that is that they have seen God at work through the difficult times as well as the good times, and they can trust God. They have a sound faith as they have seen God working over the years. And those who are coming behind can look up to them and see their faith is strong, no matter the circumstances. And so we see they are sound in faith, but sound in love. A reminder to love others, not being grumpy old men with the grace of a cactus. But sound in patience. 
patient in both our circumstances and patient with other people. Now, you want to see how you do with patience in your circumstances? Think about how you handle technology that is not working correctly. Alright, and that will give a great example or test of how we do with our patience. I don't necessarily do that well at that one. Now fortunately, I still have a child in the house. So I can say, help! And they can explain it to me, or for them, usually they just push the right buttons and get it to work until I mess it up the next time. Patience. Patience in our circumstances. It's the idea of persevering through a circumstance. But also patient with other people. What are older men known for? Impatience. But Paul was saying, listen, challenge the older men to have these six things. To have that patience in their circumstances of patience with other people. To have that love. To demonstrate that faith. As well as being sober-minded, reverent, and temperate in their actions and in their attitudes. And it says, men, as we get older, we need to demonstrate even more because others are looking up to us and watching us. And are we the example that they should follow? It's a challenge, but also an honor. The Bible speaks often about the wisdom of older men. And as older men, we can be that example, be that mentor, be that encouragement to the next generation. We don't want to be the model that they use for the next grumpy old men sequel, or the third or fourth. We want to live out those godly characteristics of being sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. Now, actually that'd probably be a pretty good place to stop because I'm sort of heading into the older men and so I can say, well, I talked to myself. But Paul didn't stop there. The next he went to the older women. Now, I look out and I don't see any older women in this congregation this morning. But in case you know one, you may want to take a couple notes just to write it down to encourage someone else that you know. Notice beginning in verse 3, it says this, the older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior. Interesting. Same as the older men there. Not slanderers or gossips, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish, encourage the young women. Now, to be politically correct, it's really not older women, it's seasoned women. 
I'm sure the Greek leads us to that. But take a moment and share with someone next to you. What are some common struggles that older women may have? Go ahead. We'll see if there's as much laughter in this one as there was with the older men. Just like the older men, Paul points out some of these characteristics that uh, the older women may struggle with. The older women are to be reverent in behavior, not gossips, not controlled by alcohol and teachers. Not as many on the list, but too negative and too positive. The negative in things that we shouldn't be, the positive in things that they should be. Reverent in behavior. The idea of living that holy life. And our actions demonstrate our godly life. And then they were, the two negatives, they were to be careful not to slander or to gossip. And they were to be not controlled by alcohol. Now, the slander or gossip was probably one, if, if you uh, were sharing your list, could come up. The alcohol one, maybe not as much, but in the Greek and Roman culture that Paul was writing to, there was a great struggle with alcohol. The, the, nation, or the, the island of Crete, if you go back to chapter 1 of Titus, Titus uh, the Cretans themselves called themselves lazy gluttons. And, and they struggled with this, but you know what? In our world today, there's those same struggles. But one of the groups of people that had the greatest struggle were the older women. They felt lonely. They felt devalued. And oftentimes, they looked to alcohol and other things to numb the pain. Same can be true today. But then we go to the fourth, which is back to the things they should do. They are to be teachers. They're to pass on their wisdom to the next generation. Mothers to daughters. Older women to younger women. And that teaching was both to be by instruction and by modeling. Just like the older men, these older women are called to be mentors, to be examples, and to be teachers to those who followed behind. And then we come to the younger women in the end of verse 4 through verse 5. Many people I see here today fit that category. And what were the younger women to do? Beginning in the last half of verse 4, after it says the older women are to teach the younger women to do these things. Here is the list. To love their husbands in verse 4. To love their children. 
to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. So take just a minute to uh, share some of the struggles that younger women may face in our world today, just as in the first century world of Paul and Titus. Go ahead. All right. So these younger women were called on to love their husbands and their children. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good and submissive. Now the first two, loving their husbands and their children, you may say, well, yeah. I mean, husbands sometimes, that can be hard, but children... I mean, a mother's love. What is Paul talking about here? I mean, we, we have the example of how we should love others with a mother's love. It, it seems like it is just a natural thing. In fact, in, in 1 Peter and in Ephesians, Paul has to remind the husbands to love their wives. Where he doesn't mention that the wives love their husband because it comes more naturally. So why is Paul choosing these well for a couple reasons first reason is this that it was the type of love that Paul was speaking of that is difficult for all of us that sacrificial selfless love and it was a love that was to be given whether it was deserved, earned, or not. It wasn't based upon the worthiness of the husband, the worthiness of the children. It was freely given in response to God's love for them. And, and by the way, all of these things in all four categories are things that we all need to have in our lives. But you also have to remember the culture. When it talks about loving their husbands, their marriages were arranged. They weren't that involved in the choice. But guess what? Even when we have the choice of who we marry, it is still so difficult to have that godly love toward our spouse or if you are a parent that love toward the child when the child is making decisions that are foolish that love that they're called to have and then he goes on to say to be discreet and chaste to have good judgment moral purity and then a homemaker, literally a guide of the home. And then they're to be good. 
The idea of kind and considerate even to those who are undeserving. The grace of a spouse. Here speaking to the younger women, but men too. When your spouse is not having the best of days and lashing out and mistreating in their words and their lack of kindness to respond with that goodness, that kindness. And then the last one there, to be submissive. That's one that's hard, isn't it, in our culture today? What does it mean? It, it does not mean at all that they are less important, less valuable. But it's about the role in the house. The husbands are called to be the leaders, the godly leader. And that's how God set it up. Each spouse being equally important, equally vital to the strength of the family, but each having a different role. And then we come to the last group, the younger men. We find their responsibilities in verses 6 through 8, but I'm going to ask you to share with each other before we read the verses, because in the first three I maybe gave you some hints. This one I'm not going to give you any hints. So, what are some of these common struggles that young men have? Go ahead. Okay, let's, uh, let's look what Paul says. See if his ideas match yours. He says, likewise, in verse 6, likewise exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. And by the way, there in verse 7, he's, he's focusing on Titus, who is one of these young men. And he's challenging Titus to be an example to the other young men of how you should act. So verse 7, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. So what are the characteristics that the young men are to have? They're to be sober-minded. Again, Connecting with what the older men are to be. They're to be a good example. They're to live a godly life. And they're to have conversation that is beyond reproach. Serious about life. I'm guessing that that may have come up in a lot of your discussion. Life is just a party. They don't take it seriously. Or the example of godly living and careful in their speech. So Titus was a young pastor, and Paul was saying, listen, Titus, you need to be an example to the other young men. But there was another contemporary of Titus whose name was Timothy, and Paul wrote to Timothy too. He was another young pastor, and in 1 Timothy 4.12, 
Paul says to Timothy this, let no one despise your youth, because some of the older people were looking down on him as a younger man and saying he's not even wet behind the ears, he's still, excuse me, wet behind the ears, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But here was Paul's response and challenge to Timothy in that. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in, converse, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Young men, you're to live that godly life recognizing the importance of priorities, that sober-minded to recognize what truly matters. But to be an example for the people around you. That they see you. And as they see you, they cannot have negative things to say about the God that you claim. All four groups. But what is the response or the result in verse 5, we see at the end of the section on the younger women that God's Word would not be blasphemed when they lived out these characteristics. But it really wasn't just the characteristics of the younger women. It was the characteristics that all four groups would demonstrate. And then in verse 8, the idea that we just mentioned that the, those who oppose the Gospel could have nothing bad to say because of the godly living of the young men, but the godly living of all four groups. So as we look at these groups, the challenge is daunting. But Paul hit it right on the head. These are some of the areas where you're going to have your greatest struggles. But when you live out God's principles, you will shine because you're different than the norm. And as each group demonstrates those characteristics, it glorifies God, but it also encourages the others. And that family grows stronger. And for people here today who, who may have difficulties in their earthly family, To have that God family that can come alongside and can strengthen and encourage as we walk with one another and challenge each other in our relationship with God and our impact on the world. And that is the challenge. So as we celebrate mothers today, be reminded of our responsibility in our earthly family, but also be reminded of what we should look like as God's family to encourage one another and to impact the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, as we examine these different responsibilities, these characteristics that we're to live out. Give us the strength and the grace to do that. And Lord, may your kingdom be glorified. May the enemy be made speechless. 
And may those around us be encouraged by the way that we live and the characteristics that we demonstrate. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.